Und so. Powered by Riverside. Riverside. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of On the Back Hash. 16. 16? Dang. 16. 16. Yeah. 6. We can drive. 1. 6. Not kept up Nope, no. Yeah, we can drive. And now that we got like Will, two different shows. Will, like, once it hit 10, he kind of got a blur. <laughs> yeah. Listen, for real. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, once again, welcome everybody to On the Back Ash where we talk all things pageantry arts. Um, as always, we're joined by Chris, William, Zach, and today we have a special guest, good friend of all of ours, Miss Allie Moore. Yeah. How are you doing tonight, Allie? I'm doing all right. <laughs> cool. So we've been trying to get some folks that have had some DCI experience and talk to them about theirs because everybody's experience is unique. I, I never got to do it, but um, from the folks that I talked to, everybody had a little different experience going along with it. So we'll kind of get to know Allie and talk about her experience and then who knows what topics we'll get into um, as the uh, program goes along. So I will take it to our expert That's interviewer, me. Mr. Zach Watts, and uh, All right. you do what you do. All right, so Allie, our first question is, when and where did you march DCI? Well, I marched Music City 2012 and 2013. And then I went to Spirit of Atlanta from 2014 until I aged out in 2015. Right. Um, so our next question is, what was your very first DCI experience? My first ever DCI experience, and this is probably going to age me Talk a little. About. But it you're was not younger than all of us. You're not going to be any of us. I was like, we're going to be anybody. Finals on yeah. PBS on TV. The good old days. Yeah. And I believe it was 05, whenever Phantom Regiment did Rhapsody. That was my first ever show that I saw. And then the first time that I saw a live show was in 07. And it was also Phantom Regiment on air. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, that kind of plays into our next question, which was, what made you want to march drum corps? Well, I mean, the first thing would just be that I became obsessed with color guard. <laughs> and I knew that um, eventually I wanted to teach and I wanted to, one, be able to say that I had the experience of marching a drum corps, um, just gaining that extra knowledge to be able to bring home and continue to use as an educator. But I initially never wanted to march color guard. That kind of became a new thing later on. Um, the first time that I had seen a drum corps show, I had set in my mind that I wanted to march Mellophone for Phantom Regiment. That obviously did not <laughs> become a thing. Um, yeah, once I kind of discovered color guard and got into Winter Guard in my high school, that really set it in stone for me that I wanted to go on to March after I graduated high school. Yeah. That's, that's what's up. It's a cool story. Um, the, the set burn his pie? Is he? <laughs> the set just burn no, his pie? I don't know. He is out for a pie. Pie. Burn his paw. 
Pie. His pie. Oh, <laughs> I thought you said his paw. Oh, man. Said his paw. All right, no. so um, you said that Phantom was the first core that you ever saw. Um, so next question is, why did you choose to go to Music City and Spirit? Well, I went to Music City first because mm -hmm. it was local-ish. It was closest mm -hmm. to me. Um, I had auditioned elsewhere before I went to Music City, and that was an experience that I was not prepared mm -hmm. for at all. Um, I learned pretty quickly what was going to be expected of me, um, what I needed to kind of work on before I tried to go for it again. And then I had had a friend who had already marched a year with Music City, and she kind of just said, hey, why don't you go with me this weekend and try out here? And I went, auditioned, had a great time, met a lot of great people, and it just felt like, it felt like home when I got there. And I had never previously considered marching there before, but once I had that experience, I was like, okay, this is the right place for me to be. And then it was kind of the same story with Spirit. I knew that I wanted to march a world-class core, um, and it was never really about like a ring or a medal or anything like that for me, but I just wanted that elevated experience. And it was, again, another place that was close. So that I was got a question the next. About that. So like Music City was open class <clears throat> whenever you marched with them, correct? And so what, is there like a huge difference between as far as like what you see in an open class versus a world class as far as like, like if, if, a, if a student is like watching this and they're wanting to do color guard, what, what are some of the differences like between open class and world class or is there really any difference when it comes to like what you need to know and knowledge wise for color guard? There are, at least when I marched, there were some differences, but they're small. So with an open class core, I feel like you're going to see more people auditioning who have maybe never marched before with the programs they were already a part of. Um, they might be trying something new. You might see people a little, um, I guess, fresher to the activity than you would with a world class audition. Um, and then open class cores, at least when I marched, had shorter touring time as well. Mm -hmm. So that was another difference. But in terms of the work put in, the things that you're doing on the field, in my opinion, it's all the same. So go ahead, Will. So that makes, I was going to say, um, so that makes me wonder, this is not quite, well, I was going to say it's kind of a uh, controversial kind of topic, but most of the times you hear a lot of cores will say, hey, go march here before you march us to get an experience. Like for anybody that is, like like Chris said, if anybody's listening or wanting to some information, do you think it helped your chances to get into spirit because you already have marched Music City? For sure, yes. Because even having marched there, I still was able to gain knowledge and skill that I didn't have just coming straight out of my high school program. Mm -hmm. And I think that that prepared me a lot more for more advanced things that we would be asked to do in a world-class audition. So I would say for sure it was helpful. Cause I know a lot of, um, everybody's obviously everybody's experience is different. 
But um, I know on a previous podcast, we talked about um, had, um, setting yourself up with different options. Like, like let's say, hypothetically, uh, Spirit was your number one core you wanted to go to, but you didn't make it. So uh, what we talked about was always having a plan B or a plan C in case you don't make the group that you actually want to make. So in the beginning, did you actually have a plan B or C if you didn't make Music City in the beginning? My plan B or C would have been audition anywhere that I can get in. (laughs) Because I really just wanted to march. um, And where I was marching wasn't really a huge deal to me right Mm. out of the gate. My brain just completely cut out. (laughs) But um, yeah, I would say I, first of all, just wanted to get in. Mm -hmm. And so my thought process was go audition, leave with a contract. And had that not worked out, I would have just kept sending in tapes, going to camps until somebody was like, here you go. We want to see you back. Yeah, because that's kind of the thing I think we talked about on that one podcast before is um, allowing yourself more opportunities in case the number one spot you want does not offer you a contract, you know, mm-hmm. to, to remind kids that or anybody that's listening to not give up just because your favorite core or whoever you audition for the first time does not accept you, you know, because you're, you're going to find or you're going to get that experience no matter where you go. But sometimes, in the end, it's about getting your foot in the door. Because you had said that you right. had auditioned somewhere prior to going to Music City, right? And you said it was more than you were expecting. Yes. Um, can you kind of talk about the, yes. the, we already know the brass side of the audition process from like camps and things like that. So um, how does the guard side of those auditions and camps work? Like, is there specific repertoire that you're supposed to know or specific tosses you're supposed to know and things like that before you come? Is there like a packet that you have to get like for brass? Um, no, not really. You kind of learn everything once you get there. Um, there's not much to, there's not much information you're given beforehand to kind of prepare. Um, you get to wherever the audition site is and you usually spend a little while in technique block on either movement or whatever equipment you're spinning, be it flag, rifle, saber. Um, And then you'll learn a short combination of choreography for dance. Everyone learns flag and then they'll break off and have weapons learn their little thing. And then they kind of have everyone go in small groups and just perform what you've learned. Hmm. And that's Hmm. really it. That makes sense. I got a question. I'm sorry. I just, because Color Guard World just, it just fascinates me because, you know, I'm not in it a whole lot, but um, you talk about flag block and then like dance block. Um, I guess like how balanced does it need to be? Like, you know, because, you know, when I think about DCI, the big difference I see is that underneath the flag work is usually the, is what, you know, separates a lot of the, the groups from one another when it comes to guard. Um, how much dance experience do you think, you know, you need to have or understand going into color guard at that, at that kind of level? Well, I think, and I say this as someone who had little to no 
dance experience when I was auditioning. Um, I think it really depends on how quickly you're able to pick up new things and retain that information more so than how much experience you've had prior. Gotcha. As I was always been weird. I mean, I've been fascinated by that. Cause like, I feel like I mean, I'm a visual guy, but like I can do half the crap. <laughs> but I feel the, like you know, color guard do. I, I feel like so. Ali, you correct me if I'm wrong on this. I feel like it's a lot easier to teach someone flag work than it would be to teach them to dance properly. Does that make sense? Yes and no. And I, I kind of see what you're saying because dance is really the base of mm -hmm. everything that you're doing when it comes to color guard. So like you might not be dancing per se when you're spinning a flag, say we're a rifle, but you're still going to have body movement mm -hmm. that's accompanying that piece of equipment. And so that's really the thing that helps everything else move along. So to anyone who is thinking about marching now, would I recommend maybe taking a dance class or two if you don't have that experience prior? Yes, I would definitely say that it would be helpful, but I don't think that it's something that would necessarily make or break your audition just because they're going to be looking for how quickly you pick up and retain more so than perfection and experience. That's probably one reason why we see in a lot of high school groups, you know, everything kind of trickles down from DCI and from WGI. So now you see high school groups that will hire somebody specifically for choreo or for dance, just to teach mm -hmm. dance. And, and that dance is not only being taught oh, to the color guard, but yep. like it's for the whole band. Yeah. Uh, right. The, yeah. the way that I the game is going more on. ballet terminology in the last four years than I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned in one episode that I mentioned her a lot because she's our dance coach. She teaches right beside me and she's a dance team sponsor at our school. And I talk about all the stuff that we know. She's like, my kids don't even know. The stuff that you're talking yeah. about right now, like I was talking about, yeah, yeah, we have a dégagé and we do a ronde jambe into a, you know a fourth plié. She's like, what? How do you guys know all? It's like, well, yeah. it's part of the game now, man. It's what you gotta, it's what you gotta do, you know? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's so funny because when we teach our kids all the foot positions and you know the basics, you know, plies and um, coupes and ronde jambes and you know all that good stuff. Um, one of the things that I always have to remind them is, is you can't look like a kid from the middle of Kentucky when you're doing this, you got to look like a kid who is going to Juilliard. <laughs> like you have to have that presence about you because we can't look like a bunch of, uh, Hicks from blank County, you know, trying to, to lead dance block and play our instruments at the same time. You have to have that, you know, you have to put on a, a persona, so to speak. And, um, yeah, it's always interesting to see their coordination <laughs> improve throughout the year, some of them. But, uh, yeah, that, that the whole dance thing is, I mean, we have a person that does choreo for us and um, sends it to us, and then we teach it to the kids. Um, and he's got a guard background, too, so it really makes a big difference. It does. And I do think that's super important for everyone to learn when it comes to like performing arts, marching band, um, mm -hmm. even your indoor programs, just because if they do audition for somewhere else later on, be it drum corps, winter guard, drum line, whatever, 
all of those activities now are so much more physically demanding than I think they have been mm -hmm. in years past, and especially when I marched. Um, and so a lot of things are more movement-based mm -hmm. in terms of dance technique than they ever have been, and having that knowledge under mm -hmm. their belt will be really helpful. Yes. And percussion, indoor percussion has really gotten heavy with it. Wait, like, especially your world-class, you may not see it too much or too heavy in your A's and bottom opens, but in world class, it is it is almost like a thing, a standard, like a have to. Like they have specific blocks and stuff for that. Like I know even like people like Chino Hills and Pulse Percussion, you know, they have their own person that they got. It's it's outrageous that the body now, what your body work has to look like as a drummer and you, people are like, well, you're just a drum holding a drum, man. It is far beyond holding the drum. Now you can't just hold, put the drum on the, um, your harness anymore. Yeah. The bar has definitely been raised in terms of simultaneous responsibilities, things yeah. that we hear all the time on judges tapes and stuff. Amen. A lot more is expected of all members now just to put on that full production. Nope. All right. Well, uh, our next question in our interview process, I guess. Um, so what other cores were you interested? We know that you ended up marching with Music City and Spirit. Were there any other cores that you were interested in auditioning for or that you thought, man, it, I, I would really like to be a part of that some someday if I could? Oh, well, sure, yeah. I auditioned for um, the Blue Stars, that was my very first audition ever. Um, I auditioned for Blue Coats. I auditioned for Blue Knights. Not intentionally <laughs> picking all of the blue groups. <laughs> well, there's like right. 5,000. Yeah. There's 5,000 of them, so it's okay. I mean, it's, it's like, kind of hard not to. Losing on your name, you're like best. Yeah. yeah. They were all great experiences, though. Um, if I could go back, I don't think I would really change anywhere that I marched personally, but just to have auditioned somewhere else just for funsies and other color guard that I think would be amazing to be a part of mm -hmm. would definitely be Boston Crusaders. Um, yeah, and especially in the last few years, they've really turned a corner in the best way possible in terms of their visual program, color guard program as a whole. They're just really doing some incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite groups to watch this past mm -hmm. year was, was Boston's yeah. guard. Um, I mean, like Zach always says, if you can pull me away from the the brass line, something's mm -hmm. happening. And most of the time, I was watching the color guard for Boston, <clears> just because. I mean, that's where their that's where their GE was. I think for most of the time was was yep. right there. So I enjoyed their their group a whole lot. Um, do you have a favorite year or show that you marched or that you were a part of? Um, well, in terms of watching shows, it's really impossible to narrow that down. <laughs> I've watched a lot of drum corps at this point. Um, one of my favorite shows that's had probably the most lasting impact on me that I can pull out anytime someone asks me that question would be Harmonic Journey 2003. Okay. Um, and that at my core, I am still very much a musician, and I just think that has some of the most beautiful music that a horn line has played, some really beautiful visuals, and to see it revamped mm -hmm. last year, too, was really cool. 
Um, EMC squared is something that I will always remember as being really innovative visually. There were things done in that show that I had <laughs> never seen before until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going back to the Boston Crusaders thing too, um, I believe it was 2017 when they did Wicked yep. Games, the witch show. Yeah, I think but so. Yeah. I think that might've been the first year they made mm-hmm. that big staffing change. And that was when things really started to get switched up in terms of their production overall. And it was just a really cool show. That color guard is one that I would have loved to be a part of. Um, so do you have a favorite memory from when you were on tour or is there anything that just kind of sticks out in your brain that you always think fondly of from the years you were living on a school bus? Yeah, sure. Um, aside from <laughs> aside from just the friends that I made it out of the activity with, and there are people that I still talk to every day. A lot of them were in my wedding, like lifelong friendships made through that activity. Um, there are so many memories that I could pull from, but one of the most memorable experiences I think would be my rookie year with Music City. We, I think this might have been the f- first year they started doing encores at shows. I might be wrong about that, but one of the first years that they started asking chorus to play at the end, um, we had our first ever encore that year um, for Music City in Johnsonburg, Pennsylvania. And I was actually injured that day. So I was out of the show um, and it was kind of one of those things like just sleep on the bus until we're done. I wasn't allowed to get off the bus or walk anywhere or do anything. Um, It was just rest and recover. Um, I vividly remember one of the guys that I marched with getting on the bus and just screaming, get up, (laughs) get up. You're not missing the encore. And I was like, what do I do? I can't walk. So we were probably two miles away from the field and he picked me up out of my seat and carried me all the way to the field and held me up so that I could be on the field with the core for the encore. And while they were playing, which first of all, the power in that horn line that year was just stupid. Like they sounded incredible all the time. Um, when they were playing, of course, we're all standing there like, oh, this is awesome. They sound so good, whatever. The crowd is screaming. It starts pouring rain. And we're all just standing there kind of looking around like, is this really happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those like mental picture moments that you just mm-hmm. kind of save forever. And it may not be anything major like performing in finals or any big thing like that, but it's just something that I've always mm-hmm. looked back on fondly. So that was a really special time. Yeah, I think it's, you know, you do talk about like the big moments, like, you know, like from my high school career, you know, the first time we made semifinals or you know, different like bookmark moments, but then there are things that are maybe meaningless to other people, but they mean a lot to you or you fondly remember those occasions. Um, and you talk about it raining. I just remember one year in high school, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as, uh, <laughs> I was about to as soon as up, we dude. were announced on the <laughs> field and our drum major saluted, it just opened up on us. Um, I couldn't see past the bell of my horn. It was just heavy rain and we played and marched our tails off that night. 
and we were just fired up by it for some reason and our uniforms smelled horrible for the week after and the band room smelled horrible but we will we've well, been made t-shirts to remember like, that as soon as we're done <laughs> yeah as soon as we were done as soon as you guys were done performing it's like fun. rain stop yeah, yeah. this makes yeah. perfect sense. but yeah that's just Literally. Those are some of the funniest judges tapes I've ever heard in my life. And they're like, well, I can't hear anything. I'm just going to kind of sit here and try to hear something. Like, all you just hear is like the whole time. Like, it's it's one of my favorite tapes I've ever listened to. And they were actual yeah. tapes back then, too. Oh, I believe so. Oh, yeah, tape. Yeah, tapes for all you out there. There wasn't no competition suite back then. No, no. Oh, man. All right. Um, so that kind of covers. Oh well, no, you answered that one. Your favorite DCI show? You said Harmonic Journey. Uh, that's all of the typical questions that we ask our guests. So we'll kind of open this up for any Q and A from anybody else, or if there's anything you want to share or ask us, Allie. You well, you alluded mm-hmm. to you being a musician first. I, I know this about you, but like, well, how did what did you what did, how did you get into like band in general at first and then how did you get into color guard specifically well my sister did marching band and i thought it was the coolest thing ever i had to do it because she did it and i thought she was cool so initially that's what <laughs> got me there um and then once i joined band and got to the point of being able to march i fell in love with it um it was an outlet that I really needed that I don't think I could have gotten from any other activity. Um, And it really, it forced me to kind of come out of my shell a little bit and get comfortable with being uncomfortable and learning new things and putting myself out there in ways that I wasn't used to. Um, So I really just loved band in general. And then when I first really started Color Guard, well, I was actually kind of forced to do it. (laughs) We had a few shows, um, marching band shows, where the woodwinds would pick up a flag and spin for a song and then go back and pick up their instrument. Um, And so that was my kind of introduction. It was just, you're this drill number, so you're going to spin a flag here, whether you like it or not. And then once I learned how to spin, I was like, okay, well, now I kind of want... I want to watch some videos. I want to see what this looks like when other people do it. And just all of the the color and the expression and the different ways that people could manipulate their equipment and the way that they were able to move, it was so different from marching an instrument. Mm-hmm. And I instantly just wanted to learn more and figure out how I can become better at this and keep doing it. And so from there, I ended up joining my high school winter guard. Um, I ended up marching color guard, sort of, and a couple of other marching band shows just because winter guard kids picked up equipment for a song and then went back to their instrument. Um, And that's kind of history from there. I marched winter guard all through high school, Um, taught my middle school guard while I was still in high school. That was kind of my first venture into teaching. I just fell in love with it. She heard the, so she heard the color guard clap at WGI, and it 
That's what it was. Half the people uh, don't even know the origins of that clap. I don't. I you don't want to know. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think no, it, I it ain't. Free circuit though has their own little thing. Yeah, it, they got they got their own spin off of the original. But a lot of people don't know. Here we go, that people. I spill the beans here. Turn it up that to thing fifteen came from, right now. It, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You got the soundboard ready? Oh, we need we need an official drop here. This is rough. I don't know, I gotta find it. <laughs> all right, all right, don't we gotta call. pause for a second. This is very important. <laughs> Sorry, I'll do it again. All right, now go ahead. So, right. <laughs> no, literally, the I don't know if I'm going once again. I'm probably already canceled. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the real origins of that clap came from Christian County High School color guard. Really. Stephen Ferguson and all of them that were a part of that group at that school originated that clap and it spread from SEGC through WGI. So that recent? You know that? Hmm? So it's that recent? No, that happened back in the 90s. Well, but I mean, considering. Man, so I'm making me feel old. Recent, you're saying, yeah. Seth's trying to say that's recent. Yeah. And you're like, nah, man, that's the 90s. Stop. <laughs> Stop. And that hurts my soul. <laughs> <laughs> I said knows what I mean, but yeah. Huh. But everybody, know. everybody has taken their little spin from the original to make to try to make it their little piece of the pie or whatever. Because we used to say it all the time. Everybody kept saying it because there. After a while, everybody was like, "Can we please cancel this?" So I was like, because it got it got too remixed so many times. <laughs> Whatever, and everybody's just laughing about. It. I was like, I'm. And a lot of us were just back. People don't even know where this came from. I just think about, you know, when we were in indoor and we had the guard, our color guard group too. Like we would have, we would go and watch them, or like help them with their floor and things like that. And sitting there, and every group that comes in that gym, somebody starts it, and you're like, oh, oh, it only takes one. Here we go. It only takes one, and then it spreads, like, it spreads uh, like a virus. This this little pod like will do it, watching, and another pod will do it. We're watching people up all the way first in the graders in cadet class spinning popsicle sticks with ribbons on the end, and we're gonna break out the clap for this. It's just like, <laughs> hey, gotta hey, start them somewhere. They're hooked. Listen. Circuit claps, and then you also have the ten solid minutes of aerograms. Uh, aerograms. Dear Susie, oh spin your Listen. little heart out. You got love, dad. Aerogram from Mama Tweezy, from your third grandma. Third. <laughs> it's your second cousin. Five times removes goldfish neighbor's dog. <laughs> what? Spin your heart out. Don't what? drop it or you're cut. Love, coach. Oh gosh! Drop the first, drop the first <laughs> So you never really marched color guard in marching band until drum corps. Not full time. Yeah, yes. that's cool. Huh. See, so was that a little bit of culture shock? Being like that was your primary job in drum corps. Yes, bold print <laughs> underline. Yes. Like what? Like what type of a? Because I mean, you know, playing a wind instrument, playing a percussion instrument, playing a, you know, 
uh, spinning is three, you know, different skill sets. So, like, how did that transition go from I'm a wind player who spins sometimes to I'm spinning all the time? Um, it was a lot of faking it till I made it. Listen, <laughs> just kind of, um, listen. Trying to throw myself in and hope for the best. And I tried to fly under the radar as much as possible. I did everything I could to make sure I was never the one that got called out from the box. So it was really just a lot of crossing my fingers at first until I got the hang of it and figured out, okay, this is what I'm going to do all the time. So now I have to focus on these things instead of playing my instrument, memorizing my music. So it was, it was definitely a, a, an interesting transition at first, but mm -hmm. I wasn't completely brand new to spinning. Mm -hmm. So it didn't take very long. Yeah, I was going to ask like how, how yeah. important was Wintergard for you when it comes to those kind of things? Cause I feel like, I mean, if you're, you know, your primary was, you know, you know, a brass instrument uh, going into drum corps spinning is completely different. Like how important was Wintergard for you in those regards? I, it was the thing that I looked forward to every year. So, of course, I loved marching band. I loved playing my instrument. I loved being a drum major, doing all the things that I did on the field. But I was really counting down the days until Not Winter Guard started every year. So it was definitely the top of the pyramid for me. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about indoor season. Like, I loved marching band, and I loved playing my horn and stuff too. But by about the second week, well, probably – first or second week of October, I was kind of over it and ready for indoor season to start because it was something that I had to work at. And <clears throat> like, I mean, marching band was fine. Like, you know, I knew my music up and down, backwards, forwards, I could march well, but in indoor, I had to work at it and I was learning a new instrument. Um, so, and it was a completely different group of people that I was surrounded by from outdoor season. You know, I didn't get to hang out with my percussion people during marching band because I was always with the brass. Mm -hmm. But then when indoor season comes through, you know, you get back with those people and the other people from the winds who come into indoor group as well. Because I, I kind of rolled the same boat that you rolled, Allie. Um, I came from a brass as well. You know, Actually, people... brass is not my primary instrument. Oh, was I wrong? I'm sorry <laughs> no, if I said no, something wrong. No. I bad. had said that my dream was to march mellow for family that... regiment. I didn't know how to play mellow. Okay, well then, I, that's where I got confused. I apologize. I, I eventually primary... taught myself how to play, but I marched clarinet. And clarinet, okay. And this episode is over. Clarinet. No clarinets allowed. <laughs> <laughs> no wood wins. But yeah, that that's pretty much still the same as what I went through. Like, I originated from a wind player to a percussionist, but a lot of people don't know. Just like you, jumping straight into drum corps, I jumped straight into music and mystique. That was the first group I marched with. The first group that I was supposed to march with wound up getting folded by the band director. Mm -hmm. So therefore, after that happened, a selected few of us got to go march mystique, or we got to audition, or they they saw us because they needed spots. And then we were able to fill the spots for Mystique. Um, and that actually was my first year of marching. You know how I insane... Like your transition, too, because the demand for indoor programs is so much higher, I think, just because there's no 
you don't have to be in the elements. You don't have to mm-hmm. tailor things to what if there's wind or what if there's rain. It's mm-hmm. just crazy mm-hmm. from the jump. So I can't imagine going straight from high school to it's that. A culture shock, like That's what I was about to say. Like, that's insane. You go from our, our high school band director folds a group to, hey, I'm marching Mystique. Like, are you insane? Yeah. Like. Yeah, so I was just like, you fake it till yeah. you make it. Um, I mean, it's true, dude. I, learned, I, but I, I don't brag, but I, I learn quick, and I feel like I learn quick. But just like, like I worked my tail off. You can ask anybody in that band room when I when we got the music. It was it's a culture shock. You're talking about bug eyes, everything. It's like we're about to play with these guys. You want me to hold you know? how many so I, I get the music <laughs> right and do uh, it. on the rack. When you and, on the rack? No, I wasn't on the rack. I was on oh, Rimba, I was on Rimba and Vibes back then. Oh, people actually switched instruments. <laughs> so oh, I, no. I like came back and having music. I'm like in the back percussion with the brush stuff, talking to the percussion director there, like every day trying to figure this stuff out because I just didn't want to be that one. Because I one one thing I'd never forget from high school, um, I pride myself on like. You only got to tell me once. So I'm like a small little kid on trumpet. And then there are two big, tall tenor players in the first, the opening drill set of my freshman year. And they both come at me at a double angle. And I go straight up the middle for them. First of all, I'm like, who wrote this set? <laughs> you see how small I am, and and the percussion guy's like, you got the you got the jazz run. What is the jazz run? <laughs> I don't know what none of this stuff is. So I'm like terrified. But once they told me once and I seen them coming with these huge drums on and everything, mm-hmm. that was all it took. So I, I just kind of lived my life like that. Like tell me once I'm, it's getting fixed or if I mess up once it's fixed. So I don't know if you know Don Click. <laughs> That's one person you don't want yelling at you. <laughs> so <laughs> I did everything in my power to not get yelled at Don Click when I marched there. <laughs> Well, that brings up another point too. Like, if you don't know your stuff, you're gonna die. <laughs> not literally, you could get hit. You could get run yeah. over. All of that. All I of say that. it all the time. We used to end all the time. Like, pain is the best teacher. You will only mess up once. I promise you. you. Get a, and you get a drum to the side. Boy, your the back, fell your head. top base so boy. <laughs> <laughs> do not look at him. I said, "Well, bet you like the whole <laughs> the whole crowd was like, ooh. Oh, I only felt it. I only felt it practice. But he got up. It was okay, but that was your fault. Well, no, we can do. No, he felt because you give me all these crazy like, sets that I can't fault. make. And I had a had a tumor in my oh, leg man, trying to march bass drum. That ain't even my instrument. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We well, only took 16 <laughs> episodes to get to the tumor, but we yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Allie, I do got another question for you, real quick. Um, one of the big things you know I think about is the performance of a guard member of showing emotion on the field. Now we're starting to see that a lot more, especially in the DCI world, of emotion from players with you know. They don't wear the traditional uniforms anymore, so they're more exposed. But, like, what's something – like, how do you convey emotions to someone that's literally, like, 300 feet away from you, like in Lucas Oil Stadium? 
like the emotion that you're trying to show for a certain movement or a certain part of a, of a, of the show. Well, I mean, a lot of that, and as far as just projecting goes, comes down to your posture and your presence and how you're taught to project yep. that upward, but yep. also just to make sure that you personally are pulling the feelings that you're supposed to pull in whatever part of the show you're in. That usually comes from some kind of personal place that's not really ever the same from person to person but everyone is using something inside of them to get that emotion out there to other people. And I think that kind of makes it, I don't want to say different from other sections, but it, it just brings like a personal feeling to that part of the activity because you can, I mean, it can be a way to work through difficult emotions. It can be a way to really like express joy and have some kind of happy moment for that small moment in time. It's just, it's something that you don't experience the same way when you're playing and marching, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cause I feel like, you know, that, you know, for a brass player or whatever it could be, you know, like it's marching visuals and playing you know the the emotion part and you're trying to see a lot more but like i think the playing part is the emotion part that we see a lot in guard like that's right. the third element that you have a lot of and i'm not being a facebook creep but you do share almost i think every year when it comes to dci finals with that photo of of your last season marching that expressive photo that's like one of my favorite photos yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's awesome. I just love it. I just that, every time, every time I think about like you talking about spirit stuff, I remember that photo you you share or whatever. It just it's really cool. Like if you want to talk about emotion on the field, like you can feel that emotion through that that photo. Which I mean, I feel like a lot of guard members need to hear. You know, like you know, the emotion is in projection is so important to conveying. You know. You know, the story, a lot of times the story has to come from the guard, you know, and mm -hmm. using that expression is, is very, very important. So That's a really unique experience, too, to be able to just connect with what you're doing on that mm -hmm. kind of personal, deeper, deeper level that everybody else watching in the stands may not see, but you know what it means to you. Yeah, because I tell, I'll tell people all, all day, uh, I think all of us, you know, we want, we want you to be clean. We want you to be, you know, the top at visually, whatever, um, G, you, you want to check all your boxes. I think everybody wants whoever they're watching to that that group is checking all their boxes. But at the end of the day, if you're not performing, I don't care. You're not going to care because it's like spending 50 to hundreds of dollars to go to a concert and watch your favorite singer sing monotone and do nothing. You're gonna be pissed. Yeah. You don't even get nothing when you get to like what do they call them? Round, uh, red tables or round tables, where they'll do yeah, like acoustic tables. versions of yeah. them. Yeah. You don't even get motionless stuff for that. Sometimes you get mm -hmm. even more emotions and stuff like that from your favorite artist. So I tell people, I was like, yeah, I need, go ahead, check all them boxes first. But at the end, if you're not performing, it's not gonna matter. No, you're gonna I, kill all. You're gonna kill all of that. You know, we kind of been, we, and I think we've, I've had this separate conversation with all of you at some point. But we've kind of talked about 
I know here in our circuit in, in Kentucky right now, we've talked about show concepts and this how it feels like this everybody's playing it safe. Mm-hmm. Everybody's playing to the sheets and yep. you know at emotion and showmanship is on the sheet. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm seeing groups winning and winning big and I just watched her show and I'm just like, I feel like you're I feel like you took a math test. It's boring. <laughs> the boxing. It's boring. And, and and I'm just like, you know, and we're and we're trying to get our groups to to fight and to learn how to be expressive and to show everything that they're doing Z. and have a show that's entertaining. And and they're doing it, you know, and it's hard, you know, it's hard because the that that effort is not always coming across on the sheets. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some execution mm-hmm. issues that mm-hmm. need to be worked out stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like these I don't know what's going to happen on the score sheet, but I can tell you, you know, as we go forward, our show is going to be the one that everybody's talking about because they're engaging and they're energetic and they're, you know, the, the people in the audience really feel like, man, these kids are really giving everything that they got to do what yeah. they have to do. Like, you spin um, it back around to DCI, like, the troopers this year, like, that emotion, <clears throat> like, that final drum, man, the emotion that they yeah. brought onto the field you just felt it like you felt it like yeah. in every every regard like you can feel the greed of the oil you can feel how mm-hmm. it's tearing them down you can feel the emotion from the um the uh cello player up top like just all this stuff and that's what made that show i think great now was it hitting all the boxes like we'll say and no but i mean when you talk about emotional standpoint performance like that that core was that was mm-hmm. it man that was that was it so. That's pro- and it's like that's probably why a lot of people talk about Troopers and Phantom and SCV at that finals performance at least, yep. mm-hmm. because of stuff like that. And it's it, it's hard. I tell people all the time, I was like, look, I get it. It's hard because first of all, the kids got to buy into the show because you can't fake it. People people really do be thinking that they're fake that they can fake emotions and stuff like that. You can't. It's very, 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 very hard. And if you do, you're amongst the elite top actors if you if you can pull that off. Because I'm I'm telling you, I'm, <laughs> it's 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 like I guarantee you, at give it a couple years, think about it. Who's gonna get talked about more? DD show this year or Blue Coast? Blue Coast. That's true. Yeah. I mean that's easy. But I mean that's just and it's and it's not to, and it's not to down anybody because I give Blue Coast or sorry I give BD a lot of performances especially um the soloist I think I feel like she put her heart into that solo every time she played it but that's that's a big thing for me that's especially when I'm judging and stuff like that I mean if you're not performing I'm all over you and I think it kind of you know to go back to that picture Chris. I'd be willing to bet, Allie, you knew every every bit of that dr- drill and choreography like you didn't even have to think about it. So you Oh added. yeah, because I was scared not to. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so, you know, if if we have any students that are listening to that, in order to get to that point, you have you have to be comfortable with everything else mm-hmm. that you're doing. You can't be thinking about I wanna get this right, I wanna get this right. right. You have to know I know this well enough that I'm going to get it right. You know, I, 
we talk to them all the time, especially with social media now. Mm-hmm. You never know when somebody's taking a picture of you, somebody's watching your group. Mm-hmm. And when they take that picture of you, what do you look like? Yeah. Like, are you representing the best that you could be doing for that, for that performance, for that time? And for your group, you know, we've, we got, we were blessed this past uh, indoor season. Our Marimba player was the, he represented the concert class in the program, mm. you know? And I was just like, so I, thought, I was like, I'm telling you, people are watching you. People are paying yeah. attention to you and time. people pay money to watch you perform, you know? So you have to give them a show. And I've, I've given similar speech back in the day. Um, I was helping another friend and I was teaching um, Ravenwood's winter guard. And I gave a similar speech that just said to that color guard, telling them the same thing. I was, I looked at all the girls down there and the guys, and I said, I said, if you're sitting up here still worrying about um, your rifle work and all this other stuff, this is why we're getting killed in performance. I was like, you're too worried about this next flag phrase. You're too worried about these drill sets we just changed and all this other stuff. I was like, you got to know, once you know all of that stuff, there's literally, I tell every group that I ever teach, there's one thing you need to do when you when it's performance time. You got one job. Because kids will name all kinds of stuff. They'll say, oh, I got, uh, we got to make sure techniques, uh, we got to make sure we're looking at each other. I, I don't care about none of that. I was like, you need to perform. I don't need you to hope you get your music right. I need you to already know your music before we go. Right. I think a lot of that too, especially with like your middle school kids, your high school kids comes from not, I think there are some who just don't know how mm-hmm. to do that and they need to be shown. But also there are some kids who are not willing to let go because they're worried they're going to look dumb yeah. or their parents mm-hmm. are going to make fun of them. Or this I got feels- all kinds of speeches for it. Said yeah. no. <laughs> Said no. I used to, I eat up for that. I got all kinds of speeches for exactly what you just said. We do. We do a lot of um, uh, exercises and stuff. I broke Barron County out of that. That's why we meddled the first year we came out at that school. So what you said is very, very true. But once you shed that layer, it's there. Man, I'm telling you. Well, and it's like, and once you get that one person, it's got to be the right person. But once they do it and let loose, and everybody else sees it and feels it, then it just catches on. And you got, but you got to have somebody's got to be brave and step out and do it first. I tell kids all the time: when you peak, it is the best and worst feeling you'll ever do. Because Amen. you're going to want to do it at the right time. And most of the time, it never happens at the right time. And peaking twice is, can be probably the most difficult thing ever. Because once you do it once, it is like a flood of emotions. And it's nothing fake about it. Nothing fake about it. I, one of our last um, years in indoor, I peaked in a warm-up when we were on a beach before the show. I peaked in the warm-up. I was hot. I said, I can't believe that just happened. If I was, I was, happy on, for if I was on a beach too, I, I, would, I would do it. Just <laughs> this was back when indoor was cool and still moving around and then nobody knew what to do. <laughs> Until they finally was like, all right, get in one spot and stay there. But yeah, that it's not the best time to peak on a beach before the actual show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
Allie, yeah, I got one. Know. I got one more. I just want to ask you. Throw it at me. Favorite DCI show from this past year? I think you already kind of mentioned it, but do you do you have? Well, one? if you want, I didn't watch enough? a whole lot. Okay. Um, I loved Blue Devils, and that's probably one of the few times you'll hear me say that. <laughs> but I loved it. I thought Madison Scouts were very unique this year. <laughs> um, they did a show that I never would have expected from them, but it was really cool to watch. <laughs> Live feed reaction. Um, of course, I love Boston. Um, Blue Coats was really cool. Everyone just did, and I think 2020 may have unleashed something with people just mm-hmm. not being afraid to really do some wild shit. Mm-hmm. But I just think the activity has changed in a way since then that it hasn't before in terms of just what people are doing the the not just the level of production that's on the field but the concepts are so much more unique and i just think there have been some really cool things to watch the last year and the last couple of years mm-hmm. i agree with that 100 yeah, same you got what yeah. 10 groups uh, popping yeah. 90 or something like that was it yeah yeah, yeah. was it yeah. really 10 yeah. It was no yeah. joke this year. No joke. Um, I, I, you know, a buddy of mine said, you know, if you didn't come out of the COVID year with a new skill or a new appreciation for life or anything like that, you wasted yeah. your life. You wasted their time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the Jump Corps staff really took that and either de- use that time to develop some new faces or mm-hmm. come up with new design schemes or or whatever it was, but it, it really was a fantastic season from top to bottom this yeah. year. I, I was, I, you know, you get, you have a season like this, you get worried for the next year because you're like, what can they do now? Like, yeah, they had two years to prepare for this one. Like, what do you do with like mm-hmm. a lot shorter time? Yeah. Well, I think part of it too is probably the fact that nobody was really certain. Mm-hmm. Like, will we ever get to do this again? Yeah. Will it ever be the same when we come back? And so I think the mentality for a lot of people, at least it seems like it was probably, okay, we're coming back, mm-hmm. so let's do it. Yeah. Let's really make this something special because nobody was really sure how things would look when everything blew over. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm excited, man. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> Only 11 more, 10 more months. 10 more <laughs> yeah, months. yeah. <laughs> It'll feel like two, though. I really right, right. I was listening. I was sitting here. I was like, I need to probably start writing the indoor show. Well, that's all, I like, I'm like, man, our our first quarter of this the year is almost over. It's crazy. We're almost yeah, right. Yeah, fall break fall for break us. Here and, quick. And we got like, and we got like a month, and it's a month and a half, and it's Thanksgiving. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Flying by. It's flying by. Well, any parting words or advice that you want to give to inspiring color guard people or color guard teachers? Because, you know, we didn't really get to talk much about your your teaching, but I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point. Uh, it would take a whole other episode <laughs> to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things to say there. So, 
But yeah, um, yes. Enjoy having you on. Give us that good killer guard perspective. Mm-hmm, for real. Cause none of us do it. So. And we need you to have you back. We can fake it. When the season, the WGI <laughs> it season was fun. starts. I am by no means claiming to be like a color guard expert in any way, but it's fun to just talk about. So happy to hang out. Oh, yeah, most yeah. of That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the thing that I like about doing you know, the interviews and the people that we're interviewing. It's like these are people who just had a, mm-hmm. a dream or a passion to do this and they're doing it. And I mean, the people that we've had on so far are at three different points in their lives. You know, one of them is a teacher, one of them is a business person, and then you're you're teaching uh, guard, and you got some other stuff in the background happening with for you too. So, but it's just one of those. It's a lifelong activity if you want it. That sets up memories and taught you probably yeah. a lot of life lessons that you're using, you know, still yes. using today. That's kind of the beautiful thing about our activity is why it is competitive and why it is about execution. It's you're setting up memories and getting mm-hmm. experiences that you may not have been afforded. And, and the, the skills and the things that you learn are things that aren't going to stop after finals retreat. Those are things that you're going to have forever. Right. You know, not just necessarily like flag technique or anything like that. Like I'm talking about like social skills and relationship building and networking and all those things that come with our activity that a lot of people don't realize you pick up and you, and they stay with you. Mm-hmm. They really mm-hmm. do. And you continue to build on them too. Yes. Yep. 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 Use those experiences to, as uh, Kara Lawson says, um, use your experiences to make hard easier or learn how to deal with hard better. Yeah, not necessarily make life easier. So, most oh, most oh, Well, I enjoyed it. Of course, I get to work with you all the time, so like I knew, <laughs> yeah, I expected. That is our common thread. I've worked mm-hmm. with all of you at some point. That's so. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, cool. Well, um, if you like what you heard, leave a like uh, in a comment below. Let us know what you think. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll have a break on probably during, at least during WGL. We may talk BOA at some point, too. Uh, and some stuff. But like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on all forms of social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. YouTube. Uh, am I missing one? Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. That other um, one. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget Spotify. Twitter. <laughs> yes, don't forget Twitter. Spotify and uh, Anchor.fm. So all the places you can reach us and we, we got some cool stuff mm-hmm. going. We did some react videos and Chris has recently did a vlog about being a director and all that good stuff. So, um, keep us posted on like what you want to hear, who you want to see. I mean, if you know somebody, or if you're listening and you're interested good. in being interviewed, holler at us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Frank I'd like to hear talk to you. <laughs> I would I would the, we would have to end the podcast. we would never I mean that'd be it. Just, that'd be it. It'd be like all right and, and we're out. Finale. And we're done. Yep, yeah, we're done. We're done. We're finale and everything. So Alright. Well, this has been episode sixteen of On the Back Cash for Chris, Will, Zach, and Allie. My name is Cedric. Um until next time, make sure you take care of each other. Yes. Uh, go to a Martin May show this weekend. Yeah. Promote support, the arts. So. Support the locals. 
Yep, for real, for real. All right, then. Dut. As always. Out. Dut. Dut. Out. Out. Yeah.